America Meditating Radio Show, we collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts 24-7. Hi, I'm Sister Jenna. Join me and guest on Blog Talk Radio as we amplify stories that compel us to be more for ourselves and everyone else around us. Do you like to meditate? Have you tried to meditate? Have you struggled with meditation? Why don't you visit one of the Brahma Kumaris Meditation Center? Visit brahmakumaris.org. Blaylock Dialysis Center is a convenient state-of-the-art dialysis center in the Houston area, run by Dr. Panakin Patel. Relax in a comfortable environment while receiving quality care. Serving adults 18 to geriatrics, we are here to help you. Call 713-463-6611 for more information or visit us at our website at www.blaylockdialysiscenter.com. Blaylock Dialysis Center, where helping you get well is our priority. The Azar Foundation for Children of the World is an organization aimed to support women and children in need across the globe. We believe in empowering lives, strengthening minds, and providing programs that enrich health and education. The Azar Foundation was founded in 2003 and has been serving the world ever since. Visit us at our website at www.azarforchildren.org. That's www.azar4children.org to find out more information about our endeavors and join our mailing list. Remember, the smile and the cry of a child doesn't have any language. The Azar Foundation. Hello, this is Kristen Hoffman, and it is with great love, joy, pleasure, and spirit that I am listening to America Meditating Radio Show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. I'm Sister Jenna, and thank you for that shout-out, Kristen. You are definitely near and dear. Listen, um, I've been around the block for a while, and many of you know how transparent and honest I am with the way that I express myself. And yes, I'm a little sister, and I'm a yogi, and I'm out there, and I'm in here, and I live a very ascetic life. Uh, Maybe when you're seeing me out there on the field or in public, you might wonder, would you see a sister or not? Because my own sense of spirituality is just ingrained in my system, and that's on me. That's for me. And even if I find myself in a position of uh, incredible leadership, uh, it's not why I do what I do. I'm called because I know that if my world's going to change, I have to change inside of myself. And I'm going to be so honest with you, I am so caught up in what's going on in the country. And my sisters and friends and brothers keep saying, what's the matter with you? Are you okay? <laughs> and I'm going, I am. I'm just, I'm just so much in awe, in um in in frustration, in 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 opportunity, in a sense of opportunity, in, in a sense of everything, in terms of what these ten days are going to mean for our lives. Either way, and a few weeks ago, or it should be actually about a month or two ago, I had the fortune of having a conversation and sitting on a panel with Stephen Dynan, who's the author of Sacred America's Sacred World. And Steve and I have had a long-term connection, and 
I remembered calling Stephen in January and telling him, Stephen, can you please get all the presidential candidates to come onto the Shift Network and have us have a conversation with all of them to really talk about their vision for the country. And then, you know, Stephen just got so inspired, and then he's got Sacred America, Sacred World book out. He's on tour. We end up at Unity Church in Washington, D.C., having a conversation about his book. And from that spawned this conversation about what are we going to do after November 8th, the importance of healing the divide or just healing and reconciliation. And there I met this incredible man, Rich Taffel, who we're going to have on the air shortly, to be talking about where are we currently and how do we approach these times because Rich is not only very much entrenched in politics, but Rich has got a lot of faith and he's also an entrepreneur. And as the pastor at the Church of the Holy City in our nation's capital, Rich and I are going to have a conversation about what these times mean to us and how best we can approach it from a very deep place within ourselves. Before I get Rich on the air, you know what we do best here, right? (laughs) We go into our zone. So just take a deep breath. And I'm dedicating this meditation to everyone in our country for us to reach a level of inner empowerment that we can cope with whatever will be the results at 12.01 on November 9th. Take a deep breath. Om Shanti. The time that we choose to be aware doesn't necessarily require me to just sit and meditate. But even while I walk and move around, I can be in a meditative awareness, which is awareness of the soul, the original, eternal, imperishable being of light. For a little while, I'd like to invite you to be present, to be here, and to be now. Allow your mind to settle in the moment, to relax. This meditation is about awareness. It's about becoming aware of your original and eternal self. It's about connecting to your truth. Let go of your name. And observe yourself feeling nameless. Let go of your gender to discontinue thinking you're a man or a woman. Let it go and observe how you would feel walking around without a gender. Let go of the role that you play and let go of the titles that you own. Observe how you're feeling 
as you are gradually letting go. Let go of your religion and put it aside just for now. And let go of your nationality and even the language that you're accustomed to. Imagine you have no name, gender, role, title, religion, nationality or even a language. Ask yourself, How do you feel at this moment? And in this feeling, who would think of you and who would you think of? Supreme Soul would think of you, and you, the liberated soul, would think of the Supreme. In this state of absolute freedom, I am truly who I am. A free, Peaceful, pure, immortal, and eternal soul. Allow yourself to just be absorbed in this awareness. this time. Mm. Welcome back. That was letting go from my off the grid into the heart meditation CD. I struggle when the line says let go of your nationality. And um, I posted a few messages about how I'm feeling. And um, even though I listen to that meditation, it helps me to neutralize my emotions. And it reminds me that I'm here to contribute, not to detract. And so it's a journey in process. And um, I think I'd like to share with everyone to just be calm and be cool. And let's be as conscientious as we possibly can. Welcome again, everyone. You're listening to America Meditating Radio. Today we have the wonderful Rich Tefel. Rich is a world-class strategist working on the front lines of social change in the areas of faith, politics, and business. Rich played a leadership role in the most challenging issues of our time, including gay marriage, education for low-income students, and addressing AIDS in Africa. A leader in the field of social 
entrepreneurism. He serves as the managing director of Rafa Social Capital Advisors, matching investors and startups. Rich is a graduate of Harvard Divinity School, an ordained minister in the Swedenborgian tradition, and serves as pastor at Church of the Holy City in Washington, D.C., that I pass by all the time. And he's a leader in the new spiritual entrepreneur movement. As a political strategist, Rich leads effort to bring together leaders and across partisan lines to achieve public policy. He is also the author of Party Crasher, A Gay Republican Challenges Politics as Usual, where he called for a new inclusive conservative movement. And in 1993, he founded the Log Cabin Republicans. Quite a busy man. Hi, Rich. Nice to have you on the air, and thanks for being with us. Hi, it's nice to be here, and good to hear your voice. Mm-hmm. I so much enjoyed our time together at Unity, and I want to really get into our conversation. Um, you've got really quite an interesting background, to say the least. But I'd love for our listeners to be able to get acclimated to learn more about what's at your spiritual roots and your spiritual background. Because as a minister in the Swedenborgian tradition, and the role that you're actually incorporating or using meditation isn't that a little bit different? And for many people who don't even know what the Swedenborgian tradition is, we would love if you could educate us a little bit more. Absolutely, yeah. The My spiritual life is definitely the core of everything that I'm doing. So even though it mm-hmm. seems quite eclectic to people, I'm in politics or I'm in business or I'm doing these things, it's all really driven from a spiritual mission. Uh, the Swedenborgian church is a church that I had in my family ancestry and um, it's basically Christian mysticism based on some of the insights and teachings of uh, a mystic named Emanuel Swedenborg, who was really one of the first Europeans to engage in meditation as a way to travel to other states. Um, some actually call him the father of astral projection because of his trips to heaven, hell, and other regions um, and talking to various spirits. So it's a very mystical tradition, a very... Mm. Um, kind of grew in popularity in the uh, 1800s and has really drifted out of uh, knowledge or existence much in the culture today. Um, mm. I, interestingly enough, I was raised in the American Baptist Church, so a traditional sort of <laughs> almost evangelical faith, and yet I had these books of Swedenborg around the house, and traditional Christianity didn't make as much sense to me. Um, right. And um, so I eventually switched out and and. Um, and switch my ordination uh, from American Baptist to Swedenborgian, the the faith of my ancestors, and I'm involved in the church in Washington, which is a Swedenborgian church, and trying to reimagine what it could be for the 21st century. That must be a big job. I've been here for 20 years, and I mean, I love where we are, but Washington is not a place that is ever looking to deepen a sense of them, themselves or, or their spirituality, so to speak. And I'm not saying that as a negative. It's just karmically an energy that's constantly looking at looking at power at an external level. Um, and so how has it been? Has it been easy for you to bring this tradition here or to keep um, amplifying knowledge of this tradition in Washington, D.C.? Well, it's a great question. I think you're right about Washington. And, and I, honestly, one thing I picked up right away about you is that you're a translator. You have <laughs> the ability to speak to secular audiences 
and spiritual audiences. And I think that is the gift of the age right now, that we have to be able mm. to be empathetic, empathetic enough to travel in different sectors. So what I have discovered is uh, I travel in a very secular, very business, um, sort of modern uh, world, and I find deep craving for spirit and deep craving mm-hmm. for development of their interiors of people's lives. Um, yes, they'll make jokes about me, you know, being spiritual <laughs> and so forth, and I, I can roll with that. But then quietly they'll come to me in a crisis or a private time. And I'm talking about you know, major leaders and say, hey, look, I feel empty or this isn't working or, you know, I've achieved mm-hmm. this and this is, it still has not brought me peace. So what is this interior life? What is spirit? What is God? What do you think it is? And um, so it can be a, a good environment, I think, if you uh, approach it by um, coming at people with a spiritual agenda, they'll be very suspicious and they will not mm-hmm. work. But if you are just present for people and they see in your life something different and calm, uh, that it could be magnetic. And so um, I enjoy I enjoy Washington for that reason. Also, mm-hmm. strategically, you can impact a lot of the world if you can tap into people's spiritual purpose mm-hmm. uh, who have power. They can affect lots of souls on this planet who are oh, um, in desperate situations. So if you can tap into it. But just, you know, to your point, at one point I remember jokingly when I would go to Capitol Hill for various issues, mm-hmm. they would put an L, like a finger L on the forehead and say loser issues. <laughs> Rich always I brings us know. the worst issues because they will oh never gosh. increase our pack. They will never help right. my boss get reelected. They will never add to wow. our election. They will never advance my career. And what I have said to them through the years is, you know, yeah, you can make fun of me, but you know what? If you work with me, it's the only thing you're going to remember this year. And generally, wow. they come back and say, it's the only thing I ever remember from my career because spirit and transformation is its a hunger that people have. And it is. when you can tap into it, they're looking for it. So it would seem counterintuitive, and people um, do make jokes. You know, I always say, I get in, introduced at parties like, Rich is a minister, and he believes in angels and spirit. <laughs> And I feel like it's a, you know, Rich is a blacksmith from another culture, another time. And they kind of laugh and joke about it. But those same people will pull me aside and say, you know, I had a dream and I can't mm. shake it. Can I talk to you about mm. it? Or I saw my grandmother in my apartment and she's dead. You know, or whatever it is. And like, I can't tell anybody this. Can you, can you talk to me about spirit or God or faith, which I've completely rejected uniformly. And now I'm questioning. So it does, it does create opportunities, I think. I bet it does. And, you know, I felt more like I had company on my journey after I met you because I know what it's been like being in Washington and being whatever it is I need to be here and and to offer. And it's been lovely. I have no complaints other than the fact that I'm glad Rich is out there too, you know, so we're, we're on assignment. And what I'd love to do is get directly to your book, Party Crasher, um, because you're challenging the GOP who – by the way, must be going through a very interesting karmic season, which to say the least. And you're challenging them to choose a more inclusive way of looking at, I think, their role, their path. Um, Have you seen progress in that area, especially of recent? That's a good question. So the Republican Mm. Party that I grew up in, sort of suburban, you know, Philadelphia area, was a very moderate party, the 
the man I worked for in Massachusetts, Governor Bill Weld, is, is now a libertarian candidate. So that Republican Party, which you might call like a moderate centrist Republican Party, it doesn't mm-hmm. really exist. Um, and I, I, I don't even, um, you know, when I was at the, I spoke at the GOP convention in a debate with uh, Ted Cruz's campaign manager. And I, I said, I think we're witnessing the death of the party of Lincoln here. This is not, there's no connection to that mm-hmm. party. So in some ways, I would say in my lifetime, the party has gotten worse from my perspective, meaning less inclusive in some ways. And there's been a realignment to a more Southern conservative party, which is not what I would be buying into. However, all that said, the, some of the core principles of conservatism and free markets and that are, are now you know waiting to be picked up. And it's, um, uh, I think that the, the party is going through a, a crisis. I think it's a, um, I'm, a, I'm unusual in saying this, but I think it's a good thing. You have to mm-hmm. go through a crisis before you can have um, uh, spiritual transformation. There has to be repentance before you can have reformation. So I think it's going through that period. Um, I think a lot of it is our national uh, culture going through things. I think a lot of it has to do with race. Uh, underneath it all, it's sort of unspoken, but I feel a lot of that is what's really taking place. So um, I do see opportunity the last couple of years. I've been fortunate enough to work with leading conservatives doing retreats on what is the future of this and, mm-hmm. and um, what they're describing is really quite beautiful and wonderful and uh, will be inspiring, uh, but the old has to die away. And in a way, the current candidate on the GOP side is – you could say, from my perspective, the manifestation of the worst of it. And that's not unusual when you see a transformation that the, the forces of, of the course. old will come out in full bore. Yeah, I'm sure you're familiar with it. So I think that's kind of where right. it is. I've been a bit of a voice in the wilderness since writing that book in 1999. And people, the, the people who ignored me the most were the moderates, interestingly enough. My call was to them. I warned them and said, if you participate with this, you know, you continue in this path, it'll be, it'll be destruction for you. And now most mm-hmm. of them are all out of office. They've all lost their positions, but they wow. didn't uh, respond at the time. So um, now I think um, those same people are all coming to me and saying, you know, where's your new party or where's your new thing or what's going on? Why haven't you, you know, so it's, it's shifted and it's, it's a good opportunity for what I'm trying to accomplish on that side. Would it be safe enough for me to ask you about what your feelings are about this current political season or climate that we're in and what do you think will be the outcome for it uh, as a country? Yeah, sure. You can ask me anything, as, I, as I'm sure I could ask you. Um, mm. I think, yeah, I think this season is um, what it is, the manifestation of, you could call it creative destruction, of common language. Um, but spiritually, things need to be disordered before they can be ordered. So I think we're in that period. Um, so... I think it is a very dangerous period. I've been very outspoken against Donald Trump throughout the campaign, but I've been outspoken against others who could have also taken the nomination in the mm-hmm. Republican Party. Um, I think the Democrats are in the midst of their own crack up, less obvious to them, but coming just around the corner. And so um, it's a new time. It's a new period. I think it's a period actually of spiritual evolution that the old yeah. has to pass away. It's going to, it's going to fight. Uh, for what it was. And frankly, when you're in a period of chaos, you cling to the past for most people. You do right. not embrace it's the what unknown. It's you're familiar what with. That's why. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So to people who are anxious, and I know people are very anxious, I would say um, 
it's probably bringing out a lot of you who are good people into um, removing, you know, getting you out of a spectator sport of politics and engaging in the process. Mm-hmm. And um, that's all good. That's all very good news. So I, uh, for the country, we will survive whatever happens. Uh, however, um, the one thing I keep telling people who keep sharing articles with me and being angry about this, stuff, I'm like, get involved. I mean, it really is yeah, enough to yeah. be a commentator. Um, and so get involved in whatever way you can. But it does take action in the world plus, you know, an aligned spirit, plus activity. It isn't just um, commenting. And I think we've learned how to comment on things and like things on Facebook, and that's an illusion of activity. Right, right, which I'm so glad that you said that because I just knew that we were going to enter a time that would be very soul-revealing. And I think as a nation, Mm -hmm. we would begin to recognize a lot of things that were swept under the rug and would surface at some point because change has to happen. It's the inevitable. And that's why, um, as a nonprofit, I couldn't speak out and say I'm supporting whomever because, you know, of the sensitivities. But I thought Mm -hmm. to myself, what can I do to contribute to even helping the nation and still helping to see how I can inspire these candidates to look at things from a different way. And so I agree with what you said. You are, we are being initiated to get active. We can't just sit down anymore and just speak the talk. So when I had started Meditate the Vote, it was specifically in, uh, designed to empower us, to empower the citizens of this country, and to no longer just turn to leadership to tell you or to guide you as to how the best way to live, but you have got to understand that you are responsible for the way that you want to live. And I know how important that is now because I feel these times are actually initiating all citizens to rise up and find their own inner power, that interior world that they're not paying attention to. So, Let's say when you speak to some members of the GOP now, and let's say you even mention even the word spirituality, what is usually the response or the reaction that you get from there? Because I know that I feel that this is really all about a spiritual awakening. All of this is going to be good at the end. But to those who are only accustomed to the old, who have identified their sense of worth and value from being attached to their role and their title, how do they respond to you when you talk about spirituality and, and, and having a more inclusive approach and, and, and going beyond you know, the limitations that they carry today? And the racial, um, very deep undertow that's there that they thought was hidden, but now is being revealed to the whole country and to the whole world. I know there's a lot of questions, well, but you can a, handle it. Well, <laughs> there's a lot there, yeah. Well, it's, it, it's, it depends on the – so there's different aspects of the coalition of what mm. you could call the Republican Party. But interestingly, the, just to use like an archetype, the New York, Wall Street, Republican, business guy, business gal, they tend to be very secular. And yet they're looking for something deeper. So they're – I'd be very cautious with my words. They know me as someone who gets stuff done, so they, they respect that. They know that I've been in the arena. They respect that. The minister thing and the spiritual stuff they find a bit puzzling because they tend to be in reaction against what they see as the evangelicals in the Republican Party. And so they're kind of puzzled that I hold a, a spiritual title or a spiritual thing. But um, but they're I think they're very open to it. I think they're very curious about it. But the language would be... Uh, important. The 
more religious conservatives find me very baffling because I will be a champion for their faith and however they want to worship. And yet they see me as the, in the 90s, I spent a great deal of time debating them. You know, I launched in a way my political career debating Jerry Falwell on Nightline. So they've seen me as someone who can quote scripture, who knows the Bible. But I think at some core level, if if they're spiritual, and, and they, they will say, hmm, he's, he's defending us or he's speaking about Jesus or whatever that connective thing is so mm. they can mm. connect. So different people connect on different ways. The racial aspects of the, the re, you know, the reality is there is a very strong um, racial problem in the country. It's stronger mm-hmm. in certain pockets and it's shifted from the democratic party, to the Republican party. It's there. It's real. Um, I would say for the most of my career, people have denied it was there. It was overblown. I was making it up. It was the fault of that, that population. I think um, as horrible as it is and the, and the horrible things that have happened this last year, I sense a huge shift where people are saying to me, oh, my gosh, you know, like these cameras are showing this or, or Donald Trump has shown that. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, many of them. Uh, when I spoke in Cleveland this summer, I said, I don't, we, you know, there's no future for a white nationalist party. Well, those are pretty, um, those are pretty horrible words that some of the people came up to me and said, a year ago, I've never believed what you just said, that, mm. that we have anything to do with white nationalism. And, and there is a racial element here that I'm coming to terms with. So even that topic, like you were saying, things are being uncovered. They're being yeah. revealed. In a way, secrets are coming out. There's more transparency, and to me, that's a that's a that's very painful in the moment. Right. But the good right. news is that you cannot really have change until all that is out on the table, and we, uh, at some point, we have to atone for it or for for mm-hmm. it. Various various of us who have been in you know in positions of inheriting certain things, we have to really atone for that. Um, and right. uh, as we can, so before we can move forward. I love that. I love that. The future of the conservative movement uh, in the role of consciousness. How do you see that? Uh, I, uh, you know, so when I, uh, I'm, the way I look at it and the way I try to explain it in modern language is that the coalitions are evolving. I talk about the consciousness of millennials who I work very closely with in social enterprise. And mm. that is something that a modern person can hear. I can just say, hey, look, here are the facts. They want to do socially responsible investing. They want to do this. I don't necessarily get into the consciousness too much of it, but uh, I do believe that um, scientific materialism, which I believe has been the face of our culture for a while now, which is data, data is everything. There's nothing more. That has come up empty. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and I think people are looking, asking for deeper, you know, deeper things. And I think that the fact that church has declined for them as a a trusted institution is actually a healthy thing, painful for churches in the short run, but in the long run, spirit can uh, come out in new ways. So I think when I think that it will play a critical uh, role because in the same way that we understand evolution among animals and culture in the world and various time periods, there's also spiritual evolution taking place and we're evolving to a new spiritual level and um, you can't not like be aware of it. 
and you can see it. If you don't see it in yourself, you see it in your kids. Um, mm-hmm. Something different is out there. Okay. So I think that consciousness, a shift in consciousness will be required. I believe left and right as polarities are healthy and good for the culture. I don't believe in one. Um, but I think both are going to be more integrative uh, and more evolved in the next period that we're coming into. And conservatism, because it's going through such a you know crisis right now, has in a way a better opportunity to shake off its past. Mm. Uh, the worse the worse that the Republicans do this election in a way the better for its future um evolution um and so i but I think the left won't be far behind in its own evolution I so love that I so love that rich I've always loved um hearing your thoughts and feeling your vibes um it's just very hopeful and um anything you've got coming up that you'd like to share that uh our listeners need to know about? No, I just think that something that you and I are working on this National Day of mm. Healing and Reconciliation, the Sunday right after the election, uh, mm. is something people could you know tune into. That's an example to be helpful to broadcast it out to your community wherever it is. So I think you know uh, um, something a bit about that, and um, and that's just a wonderful opportunity for you and I, who have never met each other before, to be brought together uh, in something like this. I think is a is a really wonderful example of what what could happen. Yeah, and what's been going on, it's true. I've been seeing how folks who generally wouldn't be together are now coming together. And so out of all of this fire, here comes a phoenix. You know, we're burning ourselves, but something is being birthed out of it, and I think it's beautiful to see. Rich, I want to thank you so Mm -hmm. much for joining us on the air, and always the best wishes for all that you do, and I know that the angels are always going to be with you. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd love for you... You better. Um, I'd love for you to leave us with the best vision that Rich has for himself that would transform the world. Ah, the transformation of self so that we can transform the world. Um, for me, the transformation I have, for me personally, it's it's increasing my ability to be a translator, to be able to hear other viewpoints without being emotionally charged by what they're saying and being somewhat above the conversation and just loving people for who they are and what they are and actually listening and not feeling I need to um, get my viewpoint in as much as much as hearing where they're coming from without judgment. Uh, that's what I'm working on. And I think that's uh, that translator role that you play so well in the various worlds that you travel is, is really something we all need to step into. Mm, thank you so much. Look, many blessings to you and be seeing you on November 13th. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Me too. Thanks for being on the air. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So that was Rich Taffel. And just imagine the contribution that Rich's life is, is, is just shaping, not only on GOP but all over. And I think that that's when we hear our calling It might not be the traditional way of expressing yourself because it's in a package, but there's something inside of each of us that if we listen in silence and we listen deeply, it might break the packaging and it might open up more of an understanding of who we are to be and the various genres that we need to be in in order to expand our own understanding of ourselves but also to contribute in areas that are needed. Imagine having a GOP um, individual who is a reverend, a pastor of a church, and 
who also has his own gender orientation and is sweet. Hello. Talk about the shift of awareness, and that kind of boggles your mind to break you from being in those boxes and in that sort of a very limited way of defining how you're showing up and how you think the world should show up. So the boxes, the the cages, the, the limitations, they are being broken. And I believe deeply that what we're returning to are virtues, values of spirit, quality of spirit, divinity of spirit, that I can be a beautifully divine woman, I can be a beautiful divine man or business person or gay or straight or Muslim or Christian or Jew, but those qualities, my brothers and sisters, those virtues, that's what we need to see through our beings. And there are two things that are going to come up, you know, if we're silent enough. When you're in your quiet moments, you will recognize if you've been good that day or if you could have done better. And so we're witnessing that. What side am I going to feed more of? That side that's feeding a very limited energy, ego, anger, greed, lust, attachment, jealousy, competition, fear, frustration? Or am I going to feed the other side of me that is divine, the love, the purity, the divinity, the power, the truth, the wisdom. And I'm bringing that framing of consciousness in everything I do, in business, in politics, in my own relationships, in religion. I leave that for you to answer, my friends. Thank you so much for joining us on the air. And remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we are here to love each other the same. So let's do that. And lots of good wishes to our country, good old America. I'm going to play this song in honor of everyone that is struggling at this time in the good old United States of America. Come into the light by bliss. Take care, everyone, and save the date on November 13th at Unity of Washington, D.C. from 3 to 5 p.m. Take care, everyone.